Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, we're making a declaration right there. We're making some declarations through all these songs. We're, 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 we're shouting some truth right back to him that he shouted to us. And then for the, since the beginning of time, God has been sh- shouting this love into the world. And we're shouting it right back, man. The question that I constantly have to ask is, is do you really believe this? We're, we're, we're making declarations, man, but do you believe it? Or does it just feel good to sing along? We, we said some pretty powerful words in that song right now. We just said, I, I know, and I know I don't deserve this kind of love. Can you agree with that? And then we said, but, but somehow this kind of love is, is who you are. And do you agree with that? You're saying that to God. I don't deserve this kind of love, but somehow this kind of love is exactly who you are. How do we really know that we believe this? How do you really know that you believe it? How do you know that you actually trust it? I will tell you, man, that the greatest evidence that you believe that he is this kind of love is when you become this kind of love with him. That is the evidence that you believe that he is this kind of love. Amen? You can sit down. You can sit down. Or you can stand up. I don't care. You can run. You can jump. All right? Right? That's the greatest evidence, man, that that you believe that he is this kind of love. And it's when you become this kind of love right alongside of him, because of him, through him, to him, from him. Amen? But what does it take to become this kind of love? What does it take to become love like Jesus? Because if we're going to be totally honest, there's some people out there just get us really, really mad, right? And I know it every time I get behind a steering wheel, all right, it does something to you. I don't know what it is about a steering wheel. It's like one big anger pill, right? I don't know what that is. And a question that we ask and we find ourselves maybe inadvertently asking or subliminally asking is, do, do I really have to love people who can care less if I love them or not? Do I really have to love people who can care less if I love them or not, man? Because that just seems a little impossible for us. And I would challenge you, it depends on what you're building. If you're here to build a kingdom or if you're here to build your castle, your castle, if you're just building your castle, do what you want, man. Do your best. Hope it works out. Well, because it's not, all right? <laughs> but it depends on what you're building, man, because if you're building a kingdom, then we are alongside the king for his glory. Jesus shared a parable. And let me, let me uh, I'll, I'll put the scripture reference up there. I'm not going to give you all the verses. I'll give you one at the end here, all right? But uh, Father, we just praise you. Lord God, we give you the honor, we give you the glory, Lord God, in the mighty name of Christ Jesus, Father. Um, We just pray, Father, for everyone here right now, that they would not miss, Lord God, that you are Lord of all. Jesus, you are King of all, Lord God, and, and we're here, Lord God, because of you. So guide us in this, Lord God. There's some tough 
word you're going to give us today, Lord God. But I believe you create a tough army for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. There's, a, there's an area back in Matthew, and I think it's Matthew 18. We'll put the reference up there for you. I'm just going to kind of tell you through the story. Peter, Peter, actually, right before this, Peter came up to Jesus and was actually challenging them with how, many, how, many, how, how often do I need to forgive a guy? And I'm wondering if he had somebody in mind when he said this. You know, like, I got somebody who's just, just constantly, man, I'm feeling I got to forgive him again. He goes, can I just stop at seven? I mean, can I just stop at seven? I mean, that sounds like a good number, Jesus, right? It's always through the Bible. Seven's usually a good number. Can we just stop at seven? How often do I really need to be forgiven people, man? And Jesus says, how about seven times 70? And Peter's like, um... <laughs> that's 490, bro. How about that? And you know, basically, he's giving him a number that's like, dude, you're the, stop counting. He says, our love, shouldn't, we shouldn't be counting the amounts of love that we're giving out. He shared it like this. He goes, there was a king. He says, the kingdom of God is, could be compared to you know, a, you know, a certain king who was owed a bunch of money by this servant. This guy right here owed him like a, in, in today's equivalent, you know, like 12 million plus, all right? You know, it's like a few lifetimes of money, you know, earned depending on who you are, all right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, for me, definitely, all right? So um, I got five bucks, all right? And so, uh, so he's, he's like, he's like there's, there's, it's like this. This guy was owed, I mean, this wicked amount of money, all right? Unrepayable amount of money. And the king was like, you know what, dude? I'm taking you, I'm taking your family, I'm taking your wife and your kids, everybody, you're going and you're gonna get locked up, man, until I can get my money back. The guy fell down on his face before the king and said, please, please, please forgive me. Please forgive me, I repent of this. Please forgive me of this great debt. He goes, I will repay, I'll do whatever I can, I will get this money to you. The king had mercy in his great love. And he forgave the guy of his debt. He said, you know what, man? Don't worry about it. You don't owe me nothing. Paid in full, you're done. Don't worry about it. Take your family, go home. I don't know about you, I'd be pretty happy about that, right? I'd be like, wow, right on. Praise the Lord, man. This is awesome. He says, while he was leaving there, man, he saw another dude that owed him a couple of months' pay. That owed him a couple of months' pay, a few months' pay, man. He was like, and he saw the dude, and he was like, where's my money? And Jesus actually says he began to choke the guy out. Grabbed him by his throat, where's my money? All right, he was doing this with him. Right, he's just like crazy, over a couple of months' pay. Somebody who knew the king and knew what he did with this guy saw that, went to the king and says, hey, king, check this out, man. That cat that you just survived, that you just get, you know, set free with all that cash, he's out there choking somebody out for just a couple bucks. The king was like, what? Get him over here. Boom, pulled him in. He said, you wicked servant, man. I forgave, I forgave you all this stuff. He says, and couldn't you just do likewise? Couldn't you just, couldn't you just, you know, just kind of do the same that I'm doing for you? And he ended up putting him in prison. And actually, the scripture, if you get quite literal with the scripture, put him actually in the torture arena of prison to be tortured. And the comparison, obviously, maybe not so obvious, but I'll just share it with you, um, is, is, is that, you know, when God forgives you and he says, come in and receive my rest, all right, when we don't seek the forgiveness of God, if we can give a rip about it, all right, then we are you know, where it's not so fun. 
And Jesus said this in Matthew 18, to, to end it, he says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. There's a happy way to begin Sunday, right? All right, praise the Lord, all right? So, so also will my heavenly father do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, all right? And then, you know what? We, we get real technical. We look in this and we say, well, he said brother. I just don't have, I'm not gonna have a lot of brothers. That way I don't have to forgive anybody. I don't have to love very many. I just need to love people who are my brother. So if I don't have a lot of brothers, I don't have to worry about this thing, right? Well, the standard he's setting right here, the standard for living is for, you know, basically this is a standard he's setting for everyone that we come in contact with. And if you read through the scriptures, you'll see exactly as Jesus goes on saying, this isn't just for you, but this is for everybody. This kind of love, this crazy love, this radical love is for everyone. Why is he saying that? Because you can't fix a broken world by breaking it more. You can't fix an already broken world by just breaking it one more, more time. You know what I mean? This is the one place, all right, in life that we are, are as Christians, as followers of Christ, this is the one place in life that we're actually called to be better than others. You won't hear me say that very often. Hey, you need to be better than the rest of the world. You need to be better. You need to be better. But this is actually the one place that we have to be better. And better what? Better with our love, all right? The only place that we as followers of Christ are called to live superior in this world is with our love for the people of this world. Did you hear that? The only place that we as followers of Christ are called to live superior in this world. It was with our love for the people of this world. That's everybody. That's everybody. And I could prove it. We're in the book of Luke, and we've been going through this, and we come across this crazy area in Luke. This crazy area where, where you know, we've been looking at different little snapshots of the life of Christ all right, from his, from, 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 from before his birth and to his birth and two different areas of life where he's just been moving along, all right, and then, you know, just kind of people are starting to get to know who he is and stuff like that, and he's starting to get some, some people, religious people, very angry at him, and other people are just coming after him, pressing in on him, crowding around on him and stuff like that, and we come to this one point where there's a huge crowd, and they're from everywhere around in the area there. They're from everywhere, and they're surrounding him. There's a crowd of people, all right? There's, there's disciples, all right, that, that, that have been following. People that are chosen to follow him with everything he's got. And then there's those, those 12 that he made as apostles, all right? And they're right there with him. And then he takes advantage of the moment and begins this amazing sermon, this amazing sermon as he starts preaching to the crowd, to the people and everyone there, he looks directly to his disciples and starts teaching them, knowing that everybody's gonna hear this. All right? And he begins this, uh, you know, this, 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 this crazy, you know, this, you know, speaking in contrast almost like, you know what, you're blessed if you're poor. Be careful if you're rich, all right? You're blessed if you're mourn. Be careful if you're just, you know, you're just happy with the way things are. All these different contrasts he leads us through. And then he begins this crazy teaching about love. 
People always, you know, I'm not always. I have some people come up to me and say, man, you always speak so much of love. Are you ever going to tell the truth? Speak more about truth? The truth is love, all right? The greatest commandment of God is to love the Lord your God with everything you got, right? And to love your neighbor as you love yourself, all right? There's nothing greater than that. That truth is love. And Jesus proves it even more right here. In Luke chapter 6, verse 27, he begins like this. Well, he continues after those contrasts. He continues and he says, but I say to you who hear. All right? There's a lot of you here, but how many are you here to actually hear? I'm, I'm going to say to you, to those of you who are here to listen. You know, some of you actually came here to listen. Some of you actually came here just to hear. Some of you came here because you don't want to hear it. All right? All right? Whoever's making you come here, I don't know. All right? But I want to challenge every one of you here to lean in and listen. Because what Jesus has to say right now, man, is just insane. It's just crazy. And Jesus says, I want to challenge every one of you to lean in, to listen with intent, and to be ready for action. Amen? I mean, if, 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 we were, um, if we were, you know, there at this moment, I mean, how many of you would love to be at this sermon? You know what I mean? How many of you love to say, whoa, 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 with what we know today, to go and actually listen to Jesus speak, it would be amazing. How many of us would be just, you know what, um, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I'm looking at our phone while he's talking, how long is this guy going to go, man? You know what I mean? How many would be tripping like that? Uh, you know, to be fair, I think we'd be in and out, all of us. But I think our intention would be there to, to lean in. All ears. All heart. My whole mind. Everything you got, I'm listening. So he says, okay, are you listening? He says, but I say to you who are listening, are you listening? That's what he says. You know, are you listening? Basically, come on in. I got something really cool to say to you. Really important. Step in a little closer. Little clo- okay, not that not close. Good, kid. Right there. It's good. All right. And he says, something crazy. You're expecting this amazing, oh, yeah, I just needed that. Wow, man, this is good. Man, this is really going to help me. And then he says this, love your enemies. Not just like or put up with. Not just tolerate. Not just like, all right? Don't just put up with them. Don't just like, you know, love them like maybe you might love a good taco until they put the wrong ingredient in it. You know what I mean? But he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And you know, we, we, we can agree with that. It's easy to agree with. It's even easy to say. It's just really, really hard to obey. When I gave my life to Christ, right, this is one of the first verses. I was actually reading out of the Sermon on the Mount in another area of the Gospels. It was one of the first ones that just nailed me because I was a very prideful person before I came to Christ, a very arrogant person. Um, and I, uh, I made a lot of enemies. Um, I really didn't have a lot of people I didn't really, I hated or anything like that, but I had a lot of people who didn't like me, but there was this one guy, one guy. When I gave my life to Christ and I read this, I thought of this one person. I thought there was no way I will ever be able to love that guy. You know, um, 
this is to my shame, all right? Uh, but there was actually a time where I was trying to set up a gunfight between me and this guy. A literal in the street gunfight. But our schedules didn't match, so um, it never happened, all right? <laughs> so uh, it was pretty horrible. And then shortly after, I gave my life to Jesus. And he told me, I want you to love him. So I started to really pray through this, through the years. We actually moved out of the, out of the neighborhood and moved out of the state, actually. And I thought, okay, I can love him from over here. This would be fine. I started praying for him, started praying for him. Every once in a while, I started praying for him, I lifted him up. And then 17 years later, Debbie and I are going back to California uh, it's our high school reunion. We're going back there, and we're going to celebrate in, an old, in our old stomping ground, Santa Cruz, California, right near the, on the beach there. And we're going to go and hang out, you know. And, uh, and the only thing I kept thinking of, what if I run into this guy? It's going to be, what am I going to do about that? Because I know where I'm at, but I don't know where he's at. You know what I mean? And I know he hated me, all right? And so I started just praying. I even told Debbie, would you pray for me? She goes, man, don't worry about this. We go out to the uh, Santa Cruz boardwalk. I mean, literally, oh, thousands of people are out there. Okay? There's a concert on the beach. All right? And there's the boardwalk, and there's all these stadium seats. And there's a stage, right, with the backdrop of the ocean. Beautiful. We go out there and uh, walk in there, there, and I'm, I walk across the boardwalk. I go and lean on the rail. All right? <sighs> Take a deep breath. Okay, we're good. Right here. Not even kidding, this head right here on the other side of the rail turns around, stands up, says, Hi, Debbie. Because <laughs> he knew Debbie. And it was him. My heart jumped. I thought, Oh my gosh, Lord, I really don't want to fight. I mean, I'm a pastor. I, I can't do that. I can't come back with that story. All right? You know what I mean? Just not good. All right? Just, you know, he stands up, man. And, and, and it was amazing because he looked good. He didn't look like he used to look. I mean, he didn't look mean and angry and crazy and stuff like that. He looked good. He had a smile on his face. And then he, and then he looked at me. All right? And the only thing I could think of was to put my hand out and reach for his hand. And he grabbed my hand. He's got these big old mountain hands, man. It's like big old hand. All right? He grabbed my hand. And, and he smiled at me, and I just leaned in. And it was all by the power and spirit of the Lord because I didn't have this in me. And I just said, man, um, I'm real sorry about the way I was with you. And uh, I hope you can forgive me. And he looked right at me. And he says, oh, no, we're going to fight right now. Just kidding. He didn't say that. All right. <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> He just, said, he just said, no, man. He goes, you know, he looked right at me and he just said, you know, it was all a game back then. I'm not playing anymore. He goes, you guys look great. I said, you look great, brother. Man, you look really great. And <laughs> he looked really great. And he said, he turned around and he sat down. I said, David, can we get out of here, please? You just leave right now. <laughs> you just never know. But this is the only strength. And like I said, it's not easy. It's, not, it's easy to say, but it's really, really hard to obey. And it gets even crazier. He goes on to say, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. All right, now, now it's getting really, really crazy, Lord. All right, to bless those who curse you, that's not so, so hard. But wait a second, here's what he's actually saying. Speak well of those who speak bad about you. 
Can you do that? It's so easy, man, to just cut right back. Cut me, cut you, cut me, cut back. No problem, man. It's so easy for us to come up with those really good one-liners or those good things or have you heard or you know what? We really need, we, we sometimes disguise it like this. You know, we really need to pray for this guy, you know, because, you know, uh, you know speak, speak well of those who speak bad of them. Then he goes into pray for those who abuse you. Now, this is crazy right here, all right? This is crazy, because I've been, I mean, I mean, I've shared this with you before, but when I was a little boy, I had some people do some things to a little boy that you shouldn't do. And it set my life into a, a really wicked spin as a little boy. And what I, what I can appreciate from Christ is he's not telling me, go find those people and just do something really nice for them. He's not telling me to do that. He's telling me to pray for those who abuse you. And I know some of us here can share that hurt and that pain and that anger and that, and that devastation, all right? But here's what I know, here's what I know, that prayer allows us to love from a distance sometimes, those people that is not really healthy for us to get close to. And I, I gotta believe that this, this tough love that he's calling us to. And it's not tough love like we would express tough love as a parent for their children. This is tough love for the lover, for the one who's called to love. It's the hardest because it requires a reversal of all of our natural instincts. And it is virtually impossible without God. I have people that have hurt me and abused me as a child when I couldn't even fight back. And I never want to see those people again in my flesh. I would never want to see them again. But I am praying that I do see them in heaven. And that is not an easy prayer. But it's only, it has to, it's a Jesus prayer. They took my king. They took my savior, all right? And, and they beat him down, all right? And they, and they stripped him of his clothing and they yanked his beard out and they pulled his hair out and they spit on him and smacked him or their hands and with sticks, all right? And they put this thorn, this, this, they ridiculed him. We are king, put this crown of thorns on his head and then they bam, 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 nailed him to a cross, thunk, dropped him in the ground, Said, behold, right? There you go. Now what, king? Do you know what Jesus did? While on the cross, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. It's a Jesus kind of love. Stephen all right, back in the book of Acts, all right, Stephen, this young, young, up-and-coming, just sold-out believer for Christ who's had no problem. I'll serve tables, no problem, man. What do you want me to do? Clean up, all right, no problem. I'll pick up the trash, I'll take it out, no problem, all right? Had an opportunity to speak to the religious fakers of his time and started preaching an amazing message of, of, of just straight-up, pure, pure word of God, all right? All through it, read it, Acts chapter 6. It's beautiful, all right? And then... When he, when, he, when he called them out on it, he says, you guys may are leaning in like you like this sermon, but you're not doing anything about it. And they got so angry at him that they rushed him and they drug him out of town and they started killing him with rocks, killing him with rocks, just surrounding him. These God people are killing him with rocks 
And Stephen, at that moment, as he was getting beat down, just about losing his life, looked up in the sky, and he saw an image of God. He saw an image of Jesus. All right, he could see him, actually visually saw him, right? And with that empowerment, with that visualization, he said, he said Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And then he died. This raw power of love is probably the highest, the hardest, and yet it is the highest imitation of God that we're commanded to be and commanded to do. Romans chapter six, you heard, you heard uh, Jordan uh, uh, share this with you a little earlier. Romans chapter five, verse six, while, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Say weak. For scarcely will one die for a righteous person. You might die for a righteous person. Though perhaps maybe a good person, you might even dare to die. But God shows his great love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Say sinners. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him, all right, from the wrath to come. For while we were enemies, say enemies. Enemies. We 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 were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? This above and beyond love is not only appropriate for the disciple of Christ, it's expected and even empowered. In 1946, there was a guy named uh, Czeslaw Gaudleski all right, and he was part of a German, uh, just like a street gang. And they were just sacking the countryside in Germany. And they went into this one house and they just shot up everybody in the house, 10 people, shot them all up. One guy survived, the dad of the family survived. Got shot four times, he still survived. They caught this guy. All right, they arrested him, put him into prison. Spent a lot of years in prison, probably should have stayed there for life, all right? All right, but spent a lot of years in prison. And after doing his sentence, they were letting him out. And they called his family and they said, you know, we need, we need him to be able to have, he needs a place to stay before we let him out. And they're like, we don't want him. His own family said, we don't want this guy. Nah, he's crazy. We don't want him here. We don't want him in our house. We never want to see him again, his family. So they started calling some of the agencies, the housing agencies and stuff. And everyone was turning him down. No, we don't want him. We don't want him. We don't want him. Finally, the, le- the warden got a letter. And the letter said this. It said, I ask you to release Godleski to my custody and care. Christ died for my sins and forgave me. Should I not then forgive this man? This was Wilhelm Hamelman, the father who survived. This kind of love is not easy. This kind of love is not common. Jesus said in Luke 6, 29, the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tunic either. Verse 30, give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. He's basically telling you, you look at man, remember the context. He's not talking to you, just go out there and just let people slap you around, all right? He's not talking about, you know what, you know, if, if you know, just, just let people, if somebody's just gonna you know, beat you and just rob you, just go ahead and just let them just keep beating you and rob you and let them beat your whole family and rob them. He's talking about insults right here. You know, you can handle an insult, can't you? This slap across the cheek is an insult. I mean, if he's talking literally and you can slap me on, on my cheek, I'm slipping. 
all right? So if you get one slap in, I'm probably slipping, all right? And it's probably, you know, so I deserve another one. Go ahead, knock it out. All right, but um, he's talking about these insults, man. If you, you know, if you insult me all day long, all right, you can, all right? Because I ain't giving up and I'm not giving in. I'm going to be this witness for Christ. This is my life and this is, this is it. And, and he's also challenged to be ready and be willing to meet the needs of those who are less fortunate. If they need it. If they need it. How do you know if they need it? Well, by investment. I love. If they need it and you got it, give it. We have to remember, though, what, what is not loving. All right? It isn't loving to support the bad habits of another individual. Somebody keeps stealing and borrowing for money for drugs. I'm not going to let them keep stealing and borrow money for drugs. It's not, I'm not going to support that. It's not what he's talking about. Right? It isn't loving to be a roadway for people with more evils. All right? You know, practice your abuse on me until one day you can just go too far. Practice your abuse on him or her until one day you can go too far. It's okay. No, it's not what he's saying here. It isn't loving not to hold people accountable for their sins. Jesus is calling right now to tell you the exact same thing. Yeah. Hello? Telling you love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Speak well to those who speak bad about you and pray for those who have abused you. And we're like, wait, man, you're talking about my enemy. They hate me. They speak all kinds of crazy stuff about me. They have abused me over and over again. And I'm just, you know what? I'm just fed up with it. God knows this, man. And, and you know what? He loves you. And God hates all sin, all right? But he just wants you to see the way he wants, the way he sees. And I, and I, was, I was thinking about this uh, we, you know, a few weeks ago, a couple weekends ago. Uh, me and my family, we went over, we, we flew over just over to California real quick for, you know, just for a few days to have a good time over there. And... Um, I have a brother that lives over there, and we stayed at his house. But it's crazy because I love plane rides. I don't know about you. Some people can't handle it. They don't like it. You know what I mean? I just want to hurry and get it over with. I have a blast on a plane. I think it's amazing. You get in there, and all of a sudden, you just you know, kind of slowly just kind of cruise out there to the, to the, to the runway, right? And you're just kind of chilling right there, and the plane's coming in and out, and all of a sudden, you hear those engines start just building up, right? And it's just like, whoa, there's some real power going on right here. And then all of a sudden, you start just rolling, and then pretty quickly, you start booking, all right? And it's like that pilot is just smashing it, man, and he's just going and going. Next thing you know, you're doing this really sick wheelie, right? And you're just like going, like, you're like doing a wheelie. You're on two wheels in the back, and you're like, yeah, right? And then next thing you know, man, boom, the ground is no longer relevant, all right? Until you, you know, anyways, it's no longer relevant, right? All right? There's nothing holding you, right, but air and force. It is insane, right? And then all those things that were really, really big, all right, start to become really small. You feel me? And before you know it, you're riding on the heavens. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And it's a perfect time to reflect on the sovereignty of God. Also quite necessary, to, may I add. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? The landings are always a little crazier, aren't they? 
coming in. <laughs> it was crazy because we were coming into California, and not even kidding, man, we were coming in sideways, right? And we were like, the ground is like right there. I'm like, dude, you need to straighten this out. And he kind of does, whoa, we're on the other side. And we did a couple of these, right? And then we kind of landed like, ah, ah, right? And, ah, right? and then finally landed, and it was kind of crazy. All right, but, but, but you're somewhere else now, right? You're in, a new, you're in a different place. And you saw small things get big again. Right, right, right out the window, you saw small, tiny things get really big, big and huge again. But the perspective is different now. The big things are no longer overwhelming. You're here for a purpose. You got a plan, all right? Once again, you have the opportunity to lead as you're being led. But it's up to you. And on the return flight home, the same thing is repeated. And once again, it's up to you. It's up to you. The point is that Jesus' supreme ethic and command is to love, all right? And that point is very strong, and it's very serious. Why? Because when you're looking down and you know that this, everything is broken, and when you're coming in for a landing, you realize you cannot fix a broken world by breaking it more or continuing to break it. He gives us a few other points, but what is he actually talking about? Look at verse 31, as you wish, and we've heard this called the golden rule, all kinds of things, as you wish that others would do for you or do to you, and I actually also would add for you. I'm not adding to Jesus' word. I'm just saying this just makes it more complete because that's exactly what he means. As you, as you wish others would do to you, even for you, do to them and even for them. Love others. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus shared this the night before he was crucified. He, he, he took that love your neighbor as you love yourself commandment and he even polished it up more. And he said in John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. He went first. You also are to love one another. You remember Romans chapter eight? We, while we were weak, while we were sinners, while we were enemies, he loved us. Verse 35 says, that by this all people will know that you're my disciples. Not because you know your, your Bible so well. Not because you can, you know, quote scripture everything and everywhere you go. But because that sermon is preached in your love before you even open your mouth. He gives us some contrast. He says, if, if you love those who love you, what, what benefit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? 
for even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who lend from you, what, what, what do you expect, how, for whom you expect to receive? What credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to give back that amount. He says, but to you, lo- love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. You will be sons and of the most high and he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. In other words, he lets his son rise on the ungrateful and sunset on the, and the evil, just as we, we get But he says, you will be sons of the Most High. And I want to challenge you, sons and daughters of the King, all right? Sons and daughters. You will be sons and daughters that are always sons and daughters, all right? No matter what the circumstances, you are who you are because you know who you are and you know whose you are. There's a story that, uh, that uh, Coach Bevel would tell about a man sitting by a fire, and he's hanging out at the fire, and he sees this snake come up to, you know, gets kind of caught in the area where the fire is, and it's starting to get burnt, right? And he reaches in to grab the snake, and the snake bites him, and he, ow, drops it, but he, he tries to get it out again, and it bites him again, and again, and it bites him again, man, and the guy's with him saying, man, you're just relentless. He goes, don't you know that, you know what, that snake's just going to keep biting you, and he's, he says, why do you even, why just let it burn, he repeated, he said to him, he said, you know what, it's in the snake's nature to bite. But it's in my nature to help. And at that point, he grabbed a rod, a little metal rod, and he used it to get that snake out and still kind of burnt. It was still alive, and he, got, he let it go. Who I am is not dependent on who others are. Do you recognize that? And Jesus is trying to lead us into that understanding with this insane, radical, crazy command to love. Why? Because you can't fix a broken world by breaking it some more. I love what Bob Goss says. And look at, real quickly, verse 36 says, be merciful as your father is merciful. Be like your father. Bob Goss, he, puts, he says this. He said, we weren't just an idea God hoped would work out someday. We are, each one of us, his most creative expressions of love ever. Did you get that? We weren't just an idea that God would just kind of hope would work out. Maybe this will work, maybe it won't. I don't know, Jesus, what do you think? We are, each one of us, his most creative expressions of love ever. So the biggest message I believe that Jesus ever preached is love. He begins all truth with that love. It's up to us to respond in love. Because you can't fix a broken world by breaking it some more. The answer to hate is love. So what do I want you to do? Really quickly, here's what I want you to do. Be like Jesus. I don't have some profound do this and do that. I'm just going to tell you what he says to do right here. Number one, love your enemies. How am I going to do that? Well, let's stop hating them first. There's a good start, right? Love your enemies. How? Stop hating them. Number two, do good to those who hate you. How am I going to do good to them? Start praying for them. 
Bless those who curse you. Number three, bless those who curse you. How am I going to do that? Tell yourself that Jesus loves them. Tell yourself that. Jesus loves them. And then, and then just start to say that out. Jesus loves them. Whether you ever get a chance to talk to them or not, Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them. Don't throw in, I don't know why. Don't throw that in. But Jesus loves them. Love your enemies. Stop hating them. Do good to those who hate you. Start praying for them. Bless those who curse you. Tell yourself, yourself, that Jesus loves you. You have to begin with yourself. And finally, number four, pray for those who abuse you. How? Ask God to save them. Maybe even the way he saved you. It doesn't mean that you have to go up there and tell them all these things. And I would challenge you, man, if somebody is abusing you, get out of the abuse. You were not created to be abused. You were created to be loved because you are a very, very lovable person. Christ proved that by dying on the cross for you. If that doesn't prove you're lovable, I don't know what does. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hey, guys, it's your turn. Right?